In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Some of you remember those hours and days after 9-11 when uh, many families couldn't make contact with their loved ones and uh, for a disturbingly long period of time our cell phones were useless when some government officials were actually finding out what was going on by watching um, CNN. And there were many of us who, in the aftermath of that, having been through that disturbing uh, experience of not knowing uh, where our loved ones were and how we would see them again, saw fit to um, come up with a plan, right? A rally point. If something were to happen, whether it be something uh, nuclear or chemical um, or just some other disaster, there would be a place where we would meet. I remember friends of mine at St. Agnes Parish, we, did, we identified the house out in the Shenandoah Valley where um, everyone would have a key and we would um, know to meet up there, even though some of us would actually have to head towards disaster, not head away from disaster. And collectively, we made sure that there would be enough wine there to last at least a few months. <laughs> because by the time you need a place like that, it's too late to set it up. You never want to think about it, but um, if you were to be in that position, you will want to have already taken care of that months, if not years, or even decades ahead of time. So with this parable, consider how we, you know, we work, we we study, we pray, and are we Do we gain when we study? Some people study and they don't get smarter. Some people work and they don't get richer. Some people pray and they don't get holier. It's not as though um, it is something over which you have absolute control. So yes, when when you do work and you get richer, God blessed your work. God made it fruitful. You can't say that the... Those possessions are mine solely by virtue of what I earned. When you, when you study and you actually get smarter, you understand what you're reading, you remember what you read, God, God blessed your study. Probably helped to turn off the radio and the TV and YouTube in order to get smarter from studying. But God blessed that time. You actually are smarter having studied. Or time spent in prayer? Did it bring you closer to God? Did it bring grace to you? God blessed your time in prayer. It's not as though you reached out and grabbed it and took it, but God allowed your prayer to be fruitful. Ultimately, even the things we earn come from God. Besides that, there are some things that are given to us. We didn't even earn them. They're simply gifts. And there are times that God even allows us to benefit from what is taken from other people. 
It's not even properly ours. What I suggest is one lesson from the parable for us to consider today is all those things that we have gained by whatever means may very well benefit us at the time of having gained them. But what will they benefit us when it all really matters? To what purpose will we have put them such that at the end of our lives, we can turn around and see not only that we gained a lot of good things, but that forever we will be better off for having gained them. The lesson that I want to suggest to you from the parable today is that at a certain point in time, our time will be up. And what will the, how will these things benefit you then? All of your riches, all of your knowledge, even all of your virtue and all of your grace, will it only have been for your comfort then at the time that you gained them? How will it benefit you for eternity? Will you have allowed your riches, your knowledge, your virtue to be put to God's purposes? Will they be offered up and consecrated? Will they benefit others? Will they serve God's will? There are even a good number of us who do seemingly charitable things, generous things to alleviate people's immediate suffering. Either in counseling them, perhaps, maybe grading their math homework, giving them food, giving them money. But the primary reason we do it is to make ourselves feel better because it makes us feel nice, makes us feel generous, helpful. That's not wicked if it's the entry point into doing it and continuing to do it for even better reason. But we can't allow our charity to actually be a facade. Just imagine for a moment someone who's poor having seen and heard you sing these lovely sweet words, praise the Lord who lifts up the poor, and, and then you do, you do nothing to help them. There are a few of us who, who really actually need each other's help, financially and otherwise. Most of us don't even come close to even being able to call ourselves poor. We could be up to our ear eyeballs in debt. That's possible. But if we've never really worried, am I going to have something to eat today? You're rich. If you've never really worried, am I going to be able to fill my car with gasoline? You are rich. Accept it. There are degrees of rich. Even the person in Manhattan who pays $100 an hour to park their vehicle near Times Square, will see other people who are even far more wealthy than they. That can't, that we can't permit that discrepancy to make us think that I'm really poor in comparison to those people. No, we're, we're basically all rich. 
And if we don't help the poor, we will be held accountable. But by the same token, the spiritual works of mercy are even more important than feeding the hungry. With your knowledge of God, with your knowledge of Christ, with your knowledge of of the truths that can lead us closer to heaven, if we don't help people know how to get to heaven, we really are in trouble. If we don't share our knowledge, our grace, our virtue, our wealth, it will hang around our neck when we are buried. Today we have the the beautiful occasion at the beginning of the academic year when our catechists or our CCD teachers will lead us in the profession of faith. Be they younger or senior, they won't allow their knowledge of God and their knowledge of Christ and their knowledge of the church simply to remain in their heart and in their mind for their own consolation. They're willing to share it. They're willing to work. They're willing to sacrifice. Even willing to pull out their hair a little bit to explain it and explain it again and explain it another time. They aren't the only ones who teach the faith and evangelize. We do it when we explain our faith and the reason for our hope. We teach the faith and we evangelize when we let our Catholic faith be evident in our actions and our words. Moms and dads, godparents, grandparents, Neighbors, when St. Paul, in one of his visits back to Jerusalem, conferred with Peter, who at that time wasn't even setting a perfect example for his actions, still was the one who guaranteed that what was being preached was faithful to what Christ taught the apostles, he recounts this in the second chapter of Galatians. I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus also with me. And I went up according to Revelation and communicated to them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. When they, know, when they came to know the grace that was given to me, James and Cephas, which is Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the Gentiles and they unto the circumcised, only that we should be mindful of the poor, which same thing also we were careful to do. Teaching the true faith as Christ taught the apostles and taking care of the poor have always gone hand in hand. Because loving God and loving our neighbor can't simply be words. They must be actions. So in a moment, when I go to the middle of the sanctuary, I'll invite the catechists, the CCD teachers, and their assistants to come forward. They will lead us. Actually, I'll lead them, and you'll join them in the creed. 
And when we're done praying the creed, the catechists will continue with three other statements of faith. We'll all remain standing and listening, and then we'll pray the prayers of the faithful. And hopefully these words won't just remain words that give us comfort knowing that we've been given the truth and we're closer to God, but they will be our pledge that what we've received, we will give. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.